Good morning. Good morning. My name is uh, David Greenhaw, and I'm the ordained minister of the United Church of Christ, serving as the interim senior minister here at Naples United Church of Christ. And I'm very happy to have you worship with us in person and online and on podcasts. So uh, turns out we have podcasts, too. We have people who are watching us all week long. In fact, just so you know, last week, 275 people watched last week's service online. Incredible. So welcome to you. We're so glad you're with us, even if you're with us in the middle of the week. So thanks. Glad to have you. Um, And now, uh, Angela. That's my name. I'm Reverend (laughs) Angela Wellsbeam. And I'm your minister for congregational care, and it is a privilege to serve here. I echo David's welcome. We're glad to have you, those who are in person and online. A special welcome to the folks who are joining us from Bentley Village today, who are live streaming together. And David and I will look forward to being with you later in the week as we have a meet and greet scheduled at Bentley Village. So we are both looking forward to seeing many of you there. I want to ask you to please register your attendance with us. So if you are here in the sanctuary, you can do that by grabbing the blue attendance pads that are at the end of your pews. Please take a moment to fill that out and pass it to your neighbor. And if you're online, please write in the comment section where you're worshiping from so that we can know how far and wide we are reaching. And um, while you're in that comment section, you can click, excuse me, click on a link, uh, which will take you to the digital bulletin, so you can follow along with us. Uh, for more than a decade, uh, this congregation has benefited from the uh, from the first volunteer and then paid work and support of Lois Muldowney in the children's ministry. Lois, if you look in your bulletin, there's a perfect picture of Lois. Uh, because she is, uh, I think that's probably at a wacky Wednesday because she looks kind of wacky. I, I have had the feeling myself for a long time that when it comes to children, you should spare no silliness. And uh, Lois has made herself uh, well-loved and supported by the, the children of the church. Uh, you've heard us say... Uh, Uh, Now the children may go for story time with Lois or something else. Lois, would you come forward? So, Lois, uh, you have been a great asset to the congregation. And uh, what's a sure and certain sign is that for more than a decade, you have loved children of this church and they have loved you. And uh, I can't think of anything more valuable or or important. Lois has accepted a full-time job and is going to be doing caregiving and nursing and uh, is uh, now retiring uh, from this work here. At least the paid part. We'll probably try to grab her every so often to help out. So, Lois, we're so grateful. And you need to hang around because when the children's message comes, they're going to do something too. So, uh, great to to Thank you. One more time for Lois. Thank you. Well, we have a few more uh, things to announce, um, and uh, let me see. Is it your turn? It's it is, your turn. It is yeah, my turn. It's good. That's right. 
So we've had an announcement printed in several weeks now uh, in the bulletin about Grief Group, and that is an eight-week group facilitated by myself in partnership with the Stephen Ministers for anyone who is struggling with the loss of a loved one in your life. And whether that, that passing was recent or a long time ago, grief tends to live with us. So if this group would be meaningful for you, we would love to have you join us. Uh, the details of the start date and all that are in your bulletins, but the reason I'm mentioning it today is because the deadline to sign up is tomorrow, September 12th, Monday. So please uh, sign up by tomorrow if you want to participate, and you can find out how to do that also in your bulletin, um, but you can email me. So please let me know if you'll be joining us. So uh, Angela has suggested that you can look in your bulletin, and it's true. There are other announcements to look in the bulletin, and most of them, I have to say to you, I think are accurate. But this morning, there is an error in the bulletin, and I'd like to just call your attention that the uh, flowers this morning are given uh, by Kimberly and uh, Clark uh, Chuck. and Chuck Anderson uh, in celebration of their 30th anniversary, not their 40th. And also, uh, they gave them in honor of the families and uh, those killed at 9-11. So uh, we're grateful for their uh, gift of the flowers and also uh, apologize for the error in the bulletin. And this morning, we will, in our service, reflect and continue to reflect on 9-11. But uh, you'll notice on the altar this morning, on the communion table, there is a framed uh, item here. And I'm just going to bring it forward for just a moment because uh, Bill Rumpf has shared this that he received when he was working with the fire department in the city of New York. And it is a piece of the build, one of the buildings of the World Trade Center uh, that, we, uh, that we've been marked by, uh, by that event. And it will sit on our altar today. And thank you, Bill, for sharing it. Let us now continue with the worship of God. One of the blessings of communal worship is that we are here in the fullness of our diversity. Some people are in a season of sorrow. Some folks are in pain. Some are celebrating joyful news. Some people are just going through the motions. But what we have in common is that we all showed up this morning and we all have something to give and we all have something that we need to receive during our time together. So thank you for being here in person and online, for bringing the fullness of yourself to this sacred space where you are wanted and you are needed. So come, let us worship our God whose grace has been granted to us in overflowing measure. And let us do so by standing in body or spirit as we join together in singing our opening hymn. Please let us join together now in the prayer of invocation. Almighty God, kindle, we pray, in every heart the true love of peace and guide with your wisdom those who take counsel for the nations of the earth that in tranquility your dominion may increase until all the earth is filled with the knowledge of your truth and love. Amen. I'm sure we've all heard by now about the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, 
And so before I begin my prayer this morning, I do want to express condolences to the royal family and to all the nations in the British Commonwealth who are mourning her passing. Now let us be in a spirit of prayer. Almighty God, we come before you in humility this morning, remembering that we too are the Apostle Paul. He persecuted your earliest followers, tried to destroy the newly forming Christian church before having a conversion experience and growing your church in manifold ways. Most of us haven't committed those sins per se. We aren't trying to destroy your church, but we have our own cadre of sins, our own stains that we cannot wash out. We are thankful for your overflowing irrational grace, which doesn't make sense in our merit-based world. We cannot rationally understand how you can love us even and especially when we commit the most egregious sins, and yet you do. And so we accept your love, fully understanding that we will never fully understand it. We pray that the sins we commit might not be ugly imperfections in the tapestry of our lives, but color that adds to the rich beauty like Japanese kintsugi pottery in which the cracks and broken places are filled with gold. The imperfections, flaws, and sins make us who we are. And if we learn from them, they help us become more faithful disciples. On this September 11th morning, we take a moment to remember all those who lost their lives and gave their lives 21 years ago the people in the Twin Towers, the people on Flight 9-11, Flight 175, Flight 77, Flight 93, and the people in the Pentagon. We remember the first responders who ran to the tragedies in New York and Arlington, Virginia, and Pennsylvania. For many of us, it was 21 years ago. Some people who are here this morning weren't even born yet. But for thousands of people who lost parents, children, friends, and loved ones, they carry their grief with them every day. For people who experienced trauma and horror, the memories live on. We pray for all who were affected and we pray for our nation that we might not succumb to the evil evils of Islamophobia or xenophobia Help us, O God, to remember the terror we felt that day and to rise above that we might not inflict such pain on anyone else. 9-11 showed us the best and the worst of humanity. May future generations see our response to those tragic events as people who summoned the better angels of our nature. Tragedies have a way of casting the blessings in our lives in a fresh light reminding us of how precious life is that we might not take one day for granted. And so we thank you, ever-giving God, for the blessings in our lives, for the joys, for the moments of happiness, for the love we share between friends and family, for our church family. We thank you for the ways in which we're able to serve our community to make a positive difference in our corner of this great world. 
There is so much more love than hate, good than bad in this world. And so we take a moment to simply say thank you. Thank you for the manifold blessings in our lives. Thank you for loving us, almighty God, even and especially when we fall short. We pray all of these prayers in the name of your son, our brother, Jesus, the risen Christ, who first taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of 1 Timothy, and you're invited to follow along if you'd like to, as the text is printed in your bulletins. I thank Christ Jesus, our Savior, who has strengthened me, given me this work, and judged me faithful. I used to be a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent man, but because in my unbelief I didn't know what I was doing, I have been treated mercifully, and the grace of our God has been granted to me in overflowing measure, as was the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Here's a saying that can be trusted and is worthy of your complete acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of these, I myself am the worst. But I was dealt with mercifully for this reason, so that in me, the worst case of all, Jesus Christ might demonstrate perfect patience and so that I might become an example to those who would later have faith in Christ and gain everlasting life. To the ruler of ages, the immortal, the invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. My mother's name was Molly. She was a good cook. At times, she was a very good cook. She she went back to college, having not done so well the first round, when I started high school, and she paid for it by running uh, running a catering business. She loved food, and she ate it exuberantly. You may not be surprised to learn that my mother was a voracious talker as well. Where did that come from? (laughs) Uh, Sometimes her exuberance for eating and her voracious talking would cause something of a clash. And the food going to her mouth would be interrupted and fall all over the front of her. My nephews have not been very kind to my mother or her memory. Today, if you're eating with them and you accidentally drop something on the front of you, they say, oh, you've just done a molly, haven't you? (laughs) To stain the front of yourself, my mother did it a lot. No big deal. 
He'd come out in the wash usually. But not all stains are that way. Lady Macbeth, for instance, you know the scene from that great play, Macbeth. Lady Macbeth doesn't kill anyone. She conspires, though, to do so. And her conspiracy and her participation in the conspiracy haunts her throughout the play. And she continues to have blood on her hands, even when there shouldn't be blood anymore. And she washes and washes and washes to get, to get the blood out of her hands. She, she tries to get it out, you know, and you know the line, out, damn spot, out, trying to get the stain out. The, the culpability of her actions have stained her and won't let her go. So I'd like to see a show of hands. How many of you remember just this time, 21 years ago, as the second tower collapsed? Raise your hand. Thank you. You have a stain of your own, don't you? Something tragic, something horrific, something has stained your memory, your life is is not able to be washed off. You couldn't forget it if you tried. Uh, Maybe you were stained like I was, not just in the events itself, uh, but in the days and weeks after. I can remember as if it were yesterday, sitting day after day after day at our kitchen table, reading the New York Times. And the Times had this amazingly horrible, wonderful thing where they gave a a profile of someone else who had died in their family and gave a, a long obituary of the person. And as I read those obituaries for fully a month, maybe more afterward, I sat at my breakfast table and I weeped. I cried every morning for a month reading those stories. I was stained I worked hard in those first few days. Many of you, I'm sure, did as well to to help resist the problem of of Islamophobia. I I worked and gathered people together in in our town with with Muslims and and shared big public meetings where we told and interpreted the, the Islamic faith to people so that people wouldn't have that terrible, horrible, automatic reaction. And yet so stained am I that on more than one occasion I've been on an airplane when someone with a hijab gets on and I, I get nervous. I do not like this about myself. I have been stained. Have we not all? Been stained by the tragedy of 9-11. Even the day, <laughs> I, I have to remember this afternoon to call a friend. It's his birthday. 9-11 is his birthday. Taken away from him forever, always shared with that tragic event. 9-11, a day has become a word in our language. It stained us so much. It's on us. We can't get rid of it. I regret that the Christian church has for too long had a tiny little understanding of the word sin. That word sin, we, we have such an anemic understanding of it. We think of sin as the thing you do wrong. 
We think of sin as somebody like Lady Macbeth conspiring. We think of sin as culpability, of of having done something wrong. And there is no doubt that that is sin. No doubt that is sin. But it is only not even the half of it. Sin, sin has to do with the stains that we have, the bad things that have happened to us, the, the ways in which we have been separated from God, the ways in which we have entered into a world that is not the way it ought to be. That's what happened to me on 9-11. That's what happened to all of us. Our world got turned upside down. Things that felt safe no longer were safe. We started to fear and worry and hate because the world had been changed and we had been stained and that is so much more to what sin actually is. So why does it matter that we correct hundreds of years of misunderstanding about sin? Why do we have to expand the notion of sin? Because of this line. Listen to it in 1 Timothy. Here's a saying that can be trusted and is worthy of complete acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Folks, that doesn't just mean to save those who've done bad things. That's a small thing to accomplish. To save sinners means to save everyone who's been stained, who has experienced and been transformed by the world not being as it ought to be. The power of salvation is not just to stop us from doing bad things. It is to make us whole. It is to overcome this stain, Not wipe it out, but overcome it. To give us a future of hope that we do not have. This December I will have been in ordained ministry for 43 years. And over that 43 years I've been both privileged and burdened with the opportunity to talk to people in depth to come close to their pain in congregations and in ministry settings and among our students and in the churches I visited and served. I've been able to do a ministry that has told me something I didn't know before that I should have known but that Nah, there are so many people that are stained with things that have been tragic in their life, who have been abused, abused by people that should have loved them. That's the way it should be. They should have been loved, but they were abused. People who were bullied by people who shouldn't have bullied them, by people they should have been able to rely on to be with, people who have been harmed and hurt so badly that they are deeply, deeply stained. And here is the saying, and it is worthy of acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save everyone stained. To to give even those with the deepest pain they cannot wash out. To give even those who grieve this moment for the tragedy of 9-11. To give to all, all who have been hurt by living in a world that is not yet the way it ought to be. To give to them 
the promise of hope, the power of salvation to change to the possibility that our grief might one day be joy. Thanks be to God who entered the world to save us. Amen. As it says in the hymn, the world as we have known it had just been torn apart. We cried, can peace be found here? We cannot let terror win. May we live toward a future where love will conquer hate. Then peace and not destruction will be the victor here.